say my name until the city burns and the stars fade away and your scars don't hurt i will hold you till the sun comes crashing down i'm yours until the end of time hey everyone welcome to the restored to more podcast a listener supported podcast that is dedicated to restoring marriages to wholeness in christ after being affected by pornography and sexual brokenness After betraying charity with pornography and unwanted sexual behavior, we had no idea how to rebuild our relationship or even if it was possible to restore what was broken. Today, by God's grace, we have learned how to connect again, laugh again, and rebuild spiritual, emotional, and sexual intimacy to an even greater experience than before. Our goal is that as you hear our story, the stories of others, and the knowledge needed to heal, you too can have a marriage that is becoming restored to more. I'm yours until the end of time. Update everyone. Course one registrations are back open. Whoop, whoop. This is an eight week course starting Thursday, September 14th. That is designed to help you and your spouse start the journey to becoming restored to more. It will be led by R2M certified coaches, Cody and Michelle Larson. We will be focusing on how to cultivate safety and trust, healthy communication, deal with triggers, and begin to discover how God can use crisis to create closeness. You can see all the details on our website and can register today at www.restoredtomore.com slash courses. Also, if you have appreciated this podcast, a great way to say thank you is leaving a five-star rating and a positive review. These reviews help more people find the podcast and experience hope and healing. Say my name until the city Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Restored to More podcast. We are so excited to have you here today. And we are pumped because we have Ashley and Asher Sears sharing their story, diving into God's work and the recovery, the restoration they have. I'm going to let Charity tell you a little bit about them. After coming out of a terrible season in Ashley Sears' marriage, her and her husband, Asher, embarked on a journey to finding out what it looked like to live more vulnerably. After learning about her husband's pornography addiction, a battle he had been fighting for years, God laid it on her heart and her husband's heart to step out of fear and start sharing their story. As the organization's stories unveiled grew, the woman that wanted to live unveiled grew as well. Today, Ashley hosts events to give women a platform to share their stories of redemption and hope. She also coaches one-on-one to help women walk through finding purpose in their pain and living in freedom from their past. Welcome, Ashley and Asher. Hey guys, thank you. We are so, yeah, of course. It feels weird. We were talking off air um, because we do all of our podcasts on Zoom now because of COVID and such, but you guys are like 20, probably 25 (laughs) minutes away from us. If that even, yeah. So cool. (laughs) Pretty close. Yeah. I remember um, we have a neighbor and um, that we had just met like, gosh, a couple months ago since moving here. And he's like, hey, you guys have to go listen to, Pure Desires podcast, and you have to hear this couple's story. They live in Idaho. They're like neighbors to us. You need to go listen. And so right away, I was like, oh my gosh, who are these guys? And so then we listened to your story and we're like, wow, what an incredible testimony, story of hope, restoration. We got to have you on the podcast. So, oh, how cool is that? I know. That's isn't that so awesome? Funny. So cool. So, you guys are reaching, you're reaching couples and individuals in the Treasure Valley. That's fantastic. I love it. So I know that we've had a chance to dive into your guys' story a little bit based off we've we've talked about, did a little meet and greet. But for the, our audience that doesn't know your guys' story, why don't you guys kind of give us a summary of 
where you went through and kind of where you guys are at today. Okay. <laughs> you want me to start? Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, um, so actually, uh, so as it starts out, um, 17 years ago, um, actually, I was married once before. And uh, I was I was a, a young man, and, and I would actually say that that was a product of my sexual addiction before I even knew that that's what I had or that it was even a thing. Um, and so that, uh, to, to, to keep it somewhat concise, that marriage ended. Um, I did have a, a son from that marriage, and he's now 24. What, what year are we in? 23 years old. Yeah. So that's crazy. Uh, anyways, um, so I was a single man uh, between, you know, I had, had been uh, divorced for a couple of years. And uh, my sister actually got a, a job at a restaurant that I was a, a patron of. And Ashley was her, her trainer. And so uh, she had, my sister told Ashley that, hey, uh, oh, how funny. Your name's Ashley. My brother's name's Asher. You guys should meet. And uh, we eventually that sounds did. Like enough. That's and... like a good qualification. <laughs> yeah. I right? mean, it's true. We've had people ask us if that was planned. Literally, people have asked, was that planned? I was like, who arranges marriages yeah. these days? Seriously, that's <laughs> well, hilarious. <laughs> that's great. Fast forward, um, we moved in very quickly together. Like I said, or like he said, he has um, a son. His son was six and uh, when we moved in together and uh, we ended up finding out we were pregnant with what is now our 15-year-old daughter um, after 10 months of dating. So we had been together 10 months, but we'd been living together for like seven and um, we found out we were pregnant and um, we got married six days later. Wow. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> we, we did fall in love fast. Oh, yeah. We had, we had been in love. We had talked about getting married. We had talked about not doing it the same way he had done it before with his previous wife, which was the same way we ended up getting married was pregnant. <laughs> but, um, so, um, so I guess a quick little synopsis back like history on me. I have, um, I have some sexual abuse and, um, trauma, I guess you could say in my past. And he knew that going into it. And I didn't know really a whole lot. I knew a handful of things, um, from his previous marriage, some things that he had dealt with and whatever, but it was all very, um, uh, in the past, it was all very past tense. And so also, as we mentioned, I was pregnant. And so it was very much like, um, Hey, your dad wants to know when we're getting married <laughs> was kind of what my, how my dad went to him after everybody found out I was pregnant. And so, um, we got married very quickly and, and, um, I didn't know, a lot, I guess I'll say, um, I learned a lot more later. And so we'll kind of fast forward to our daughter who I was pregnant with when we got married was a year and a half. Maybe we were sitting in the living room of our little tiny house that we lived in, um, in Reno, Nevada. And 
he was clicking through the channels and I was on the floor with our daughter and um, we were just playing together and the television was on in the background. I mean, it was, you know, normal, but he had flipped to a Victoria's Secret runway Mm. fashion show. And I remember feeling, I don't even, however many months postpartum, really uncomfortable um having had a baby charity i'm sure you multiple babies you you understand you get it you're like huh yeah that's not how i look <laughs> and so not i was perky a little more flab <laughs> for sure for sure and i just remember sitting there it was not even on my radar anything sexual at that point it was purely like i don't like how i feel right now looking at this like i don't regardless of anything else. So there was twofold. It was, I don't like this. I don't like how I feel. And then it was as, even as young as our daughter was, I didn't like what I was seeing and the message big or little conveyed to our small daughter that this is what beauty is mm. or that this is what communicates beauty. And so I just, I feel like I politely asked. <laughs> I'm sure it was. It's been a long time ago. I asked. Um, hey, can we can we turn this off? And he said no. <laughs> so I had um, since the time I was a young boy, the house I grew up in, um, you know, and I and I'll put the disclaimer out there. Uh, my 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 dad did the best that he could with what he knew, you know, the tools that he had, mm-hmm. and he came from a broken home. Uh, and he worked hard to to provide a better life for his kids than what he grew up with. Um, but he he didn't have the benefit of a relationship with Jesus. Um, and, you know, so it was it, he what he thought was the best course for raising a son was um you know, girls and sexualization of, of, of women. And so, and he would, uh, there were times where he was um, overly affectionate with my mother in front of us. So it generated this, this lifestyle of, of sexualization uh, and it started young. And, um, and then as I got older, um, I, I, into my early teen years, you know, I discovered pornography. And to me, that was just the next step from what I had already learned growing up early. And, uh, and so, so then now, you know, uh, and then, okay, so partly the reason why um, my, my 23 year old son is on this earth is because my main conquest was sex. And, um, you know, I met a, a woman who I obliged as it were. And so, um, you know, so that was my focus through the whole time. And I didn't, I didn't know anything else. And I didn't know that, that it was, it was wrong. And so then now we fast forward and, and I've got, you know, my, my lovely young wife and my, my baby daughter and, and so and she wants to turn this thing off and I, I wanted to watch it and I didn't see anything wrong with it. I was just mad mm. that he wouldn't turn this off. I was just mad. And really what that 
what him saying, no, I don't want to turn that, turn this off turned into was words and an argument and, you know, um, all to find out that he actually struggled with pornography, that he actually struggled with this. And so him saying he didn't want to turn it off was honest. He, I mean, he didn't. And so even though it started kind of a, not kind of a very hard 10 plus years of um, our marriage and his addiction and this struggle, um, it was the first time any light had been shed on his issues. Cause I, I really didn't have any clue going into our marriage or our relationship that this was an issue and that it had been an issue for decades. Well, and in all fairness, I didn't know it was an issue either. Right. It was just normal to me. It was just all, you know, the, all the rationalizations of all guys do it, mm-hmm. you know, all guys look at this stuff, you know, it's just what guys do. It's not a big deal. You know, who's it hurting? It's not about her. I love her. She's beautiful. It's not, it's not about that, you know? And, and uh, so, yeah, so it was, it was, that was the beginning of an understanding for me as well of like, Oh, okay. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I've entrusted my life to Jesus and now I'm finding out, Oh, this isn't a good thing. This isn't okay. And so, you know, that started my journey on, uh, figuring it out. What I hear you guys saying is like now, because you're following the Lord, Asher, you were convicted. You were feeling a conviction because you wanted to serve Christ and you wanted to show him you loved him. Mm-hmm. So now it was like, okay, now I know this is not something that I want to be part of my life because I want to, you know, be a believer. What did that journey look like for you? Did you mm. hope and pray that God was just going to like magically take it away from you? What was that? <laughs> Cause I, that is Maybe a lot. There's a lot of stories that are like that, you know? Oh, so yeah. Oh yeah. No, and, and I would say mine is one of them. Um, I, I think that, I would have to say that in the beginning, though, like after this, this episode uh, with us in the living room and the television, um, it kind of, it was like a uh, out of sight, out of mind thing for a while. And it, and it, and it didn't uh, really rear its ugly head for us again for a while. And, and, and truthfully, I don't, I don't have a strong recollection of what the addiction what the path of addiction was for a while there um but but it it was back in the dark and you know i was continuing to live um the lifestyle but now the problem was was that i knew that it wasn't okay and so it led to shame and And so yeah and hiding and so so instead of being able to openly turn this stuff on the television or whatever, I then internalized it and took it and hid it in the dark. And, um, and for Ashley, she didn't know. She just thought that it was okay. You know, things were good. We'd had the conversation and she didn't see any more outward appearances of it for a while. Um, and um, I think that she'd be able to probably recall better some episodes that 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 happened previous but i would say that 
until we moved to Idaho, there wasn't really any, you know, it was just kind of thing, status quo. Things mm-hmm. were good. There was no issue. I was still. I was going to say there was no outward right. issue. Yeah. Right. Um, because he was still, con- I mean, we, it was three kids later, we mm-hmm. had our teenager and we have two other boys. And so it, during this whole time, we lived in Nevada and it was, yeah, it was status quo. And I think I was really naive in the beginning. I, I legitimately with my whole heart thought that I, as long as I told him this is wrong, we can't, you can't do this anymore. I don't like this. Be done. I, I legitimately thought that was that. That was the last conversation we were going to need to have about it. I legitimately thought that. In experience, my age, I don't know, but I just really thought that we were good and we just, we just had a couple more kids and, you know, life is stressful as a blended family, which is what we were. And, um, but, but the pornography thing never really reared its head. Like he said, um, for a while, I think we struggled on and off, but I never chalked it up to that. I think it was always his internal struggle that he was battling on his own. And I just, thought it was like normal marriage stuff or whatever. And then we moved to Idaho nine years ago this week, next week. Um, so we've been here for a while, a little while now, but, um, when we moved to Idaho, I would say our first year, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like he started kind of slipping into He had talked about his dad was maybe overtly inappropriate in front of them as children Mm -hmm. and he really started um going down that road and i felt like we're married so i mean really it's we're married (laughs) you know anything goes essentially but um i feel like there's there's a line right and we have three little kids and i just there were some things that i was incredibly uncomfortable with and i just would tell him listen i'm your wife but i'm not an object and i'm your wife but i'm not your property and you know so we would have these conversations and it started to, it started to get bad actually after we moved here and we struggled for years. So it had, uh, it, yes, things were, things were getting bad. I was, I was outwardly, you know, being inappropriate and, and doing these things because I, you know, could justify it. I thought, oh, the kids, they're small. They won't know. They don't know what's going on, you know, and this is whatever. And, uh, and she had turned to me and was like, we're done with this. Like you need help. You have, you're, you have a problem. Mm. And, and so I was like, Oh, okay. All right. Like, well, yeah, it was a big slap in the face. Not, not figuratively. Right. I still felt like there's no way I could, mm. I could share this because we're, I'm, what are they going to say? What are they going to do? I'm, I'm going to not be able to serve in the children's ministry anymore, any of this stuff. So I never felt okay sharing it with anybody until I found this program, um, you know, locally. And that was the first time that I was with people that I didn't know that I felt like, yeah, I was anonymous. And so Mm -hmm. I could share this because nobody knew me. And that was the beginning of the journey of healing. And it hasn't been until pretty recent, well, recent, the last five years, four or five years Mm -hmm. that I've really like, oh, (laughs) this is a journey. Mm -hmm. This is our life. This is our life. And, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, we're doomed to this or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's that's, this is the story that God's given us. And this is, 
what we will talk about and do and deal with for the rest of our lives. And it will be our ministry and it will be our testimony. So and now I'm getting emotional. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And everybody can see that. (laughs) No, that's a powerful transition. I think the acceptance piece is really hard for all of us. Yeah. I think, I don't know. For me, I, I, when I joined different recovery programs, I was like, okay, so how fast can we get this done? How fast can it take? You say it's a 12 month program. We'll watch out. So I'm going to get done six and then I'm going to go ahead and move on. And, uh, you know, I'm never going to see you guys again and we're going to be good. And, you know, and there is God had a different plan for sure. And it's really hard. Literally. It was hard for me to accept that big time. Like a really hard for me to be like, wait, what? Like what? And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean you're always stuck where you're at in the very beginning for sure. But it means that it never, it never just leaves your story. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, like ha- ha- you know, being previously married isn't like omitted just because you get married the second time. It's still part of the story. You know, having, right. having one child and one relationship, having another, it's like, you're like, I don't even want to erase that, but it's like, it's a part of the story. And this will forever yeah. be part of our story too. The question is, do we own it and talk about it and then help other people get rid of the shame? I, that part blows my mind. And it's so true, Ashley. Like, I appreciate you sharing that because I think there's a lot of people that relates to that. There is no quote unquote shame as a non-believer doing things that are inappropriate. There just mm-hmm. isn't the conviction. It might still be damaging. We might still have, you know, um, negative side effects of, unwanted sexual behavior you know we, we might be you know we might feel super lonely we might feel a lot of anxiety we might feel depression we might have you know even even sexual um things that happen to us whether it's disease or erectile dysfunction or all this stuff but that shame piece is at the core of who we are and i don't think there's any need for shame if we're not walking with the lord and the minute we give our life to the lord we have this enemy of our soul it's like, mm. you are a terrible person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you like never felt terrible before. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, am I? Like, am I this horrible person? Mm. And it's this belief that, oh my gosh, now I'm a terrible pe- person. You know what I mean? And I'm grateful you shared that because I feel like that's the reality for so many of us that that the, the battle of shame can be even greater than the battle of lust, the battle with pornography. A lot of that for me and my show is, is, it was grounded in shame. I would act out, feel so much shame that the only thing that made it go away was acting out again. It was never about the acting out. It was making making the shame piece, shame feeling go away. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. I love what you said too, Ashley, just like about, I, I think there's different phases for different people based off their background and story. But um, for us, there was a denial piece for him. And then there was a denial for me realizing like, mm. Cause I even have women who I, you know, I'm coaching with and talking with and they're like, I see a therapist, but I don't go to a group or I see a therapist, but I don't want to subscribe to this podcast because then it's accepting the fact that this is my life, you know? And there's just this, like, just, you're just trying to hold on to it. You're trying to control, you know, the process you're trying to control your relationship and what's going to end up happening. And, I believe that the sooner that you can let go and you can accept like you were talking about, this is a journey, this is a process, and this is our new normal. 
and it doesn't have to suck. It can be even greater. It can be even better. But I believe that healing is going to look completely different once you just let go and you accept the process and you stop, you start, um, you stop fighting it. You know, you stop fighting that he has to go to group. You stop fighting that you have to go to group. You stop fighting the financial aspect of it because it is financially expensive if you're seeing a therapist, if you're buying books, if you're diving deep into healing. But you just let go and you go, this is what it's going to look like to save my marriage, to restore my Mm -hmm. marriage and to have a completely different life. And that's what you guys have done. I mean, that is so amazing to see where you guys were and God's hand is so beautifully just woven into Mm. each one of you individually and then together and then see where you guys are at today. I mean, we had talked briefly and um, I remember just hearing you guys talk about your involvement with Pure Desires and being on the board and, you know, being in groups. I mean, you guys are totally not just there and leaving now. You guys are really letting God use your story to help others. And I would love to just and end the podcast with that, just you guys sharing with us, you know, what you guys, what has sharing your guys' story done for you, your relationship and for other people? Because I mean, you guys started a whole conference. That's a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, there was a moment, um, five ish years ago, six, maybe now, I don't remember five, five or so years ago. Um, where, paraphrasing, but it just kind of hit me. He was, he was in recovery. He was doing pure desire. He was walking through all the things that, you know, he needed to walk through for healing and he was finding freedom. He was getting to the root of some of these issues. He was figuring out what was causing some of these things, pulling up things from his past that he had not thought about in a very, very long time and, and was really like getting in touch with and with these issues and building relationships with other men that have also struggled. And that's a, that's a big piece too, is is in the shame I know is building relationships with other men who are struggling too. And so it's the, the accountability piece. Right. And so he was doing that and I was still really angry. I was still really bitter and I still didn't trust him. And so I started kind of walking through my own journey of healing and recovering. And what I, what I found out that I, even though I said it, you know, early on 17 years ago, you figure you out and get this under control and we will be fine. I realized that that's not true. Mm. He can figure himself out and he can deal with his junk mm. and he can start finding healing and freedom. And he can start, I mean, he can totally turn around and do a complete 180 and be great. But I now need to deal with the, all the things that have happened. And if we're going to, if I'm going to stay in this marriage and we are going to thrive and be great we need to like we need to create a new chapter we can't he can't just deal with him and we'll be fine because then I'm not dealing with any of the stuff that's happened over the last however long and truth be told I have jumped too we all do and so to work on that together to be able to be so vulnerable and transparent with each other with his struggles and my struggles and my mistrust and his triggers and all of these things to be able to get to a point where we can be really honest and unveiled um, about where we're at. Um, that's something that needed to happen. And so I found my own kind of healing and recovery through um, support and other women and groups. And I've also led groups, like you said, Pure Desire has stuff for everybody. No, I love that. And I think 
you know, it's so cool to hear you guys talk about the more piece of, we talk about restored to more, you know, it's not restored to back to how it was where there's a bunch of lies and a bunch of dishonesty and a bunch of, Hey, we're just kind of cover it up, but it's being restored to more for a greater purpose. I'd love, we'd love to hear more about unveiled. Tell us, talk to us about that. What does that look like today and how has that transformed and, and what's going on right now with all that? Yeah. Um, so when we got to a place in our um, healing process where we were committed to each other in our marriage and um, we just knew that this was the part of our story, we knew that if we were struggling with this specifically, there are countless other couples struggling with it too, especially in the church. And um, I was actually just listening to something this week. Um, the statistics are staggering about leadership and pastors who struggle with sex, sex and pornography addiction. And that's why it's never talked about. And so we knew that this was not a culture that we wanted to continue to like rest in, in church. And he was serving on the deacon board and I was serving in a uh, women's ministry leader. I was the director of the ministry at the church that we attend. And we knew that we had a lot to lose. Mm. Um, if we stepped out and said, like, here's all the cards on the table. This is what's going on. This is what we're dealing with. Um, so we knew that as long as we were united and we knew that we wanted to help other people because there was other people dealing with this, mm-hmm. we knew there were, yep. that it didn't matter. And so I, I asked him, I said, um, you know, as soon as we start sharing our story, as soon as you start leading these groups and you start sharing your story and I start reaching out to women and I start this story is unveiled and I start sharing my story and our story together. Not only is the enemy going to attack us like hard, but um, we might start getting pushback. Like there's fallout Mm -hmm. that's going to come from this. And we have seen fallout, not at our church. Thankfully, Mm -hmm. our church has been really incredible, very Mm -hmm. supportive and incredible, Mm -hmm. but we have seen fallout in our personal lives Mm -hmm. because of it. And, um, but we knew that there's a greater purpose and there's, this is kingdom work and it's more important. And so we made a pact, like it doesn't matter. This is what God wants us to do. He wants to use our story. And so we just started sharing it. And um, in that I have this like holy discontent for what I was hearing from women when I would share our story um, and my own, you know, upbringing story and young adult story. Um, the amount of women that I had been walking alongside with in small groups and meeting for coffee. And I had been friends with the amount of women that came to me and said, this is my story mm-hmm. too, or something similar. Maybe their husband didn't struggle with pornography. Maybe, maybe they just had trauma in their childhood. Maybe, maybe it had nothing to do with sex addiction whatsoever, but I've always known, I've always been so drawn to stories. I've always known everybody's got junk. Everybody's got a story, you know, but it never hit me so hard as it did in this season, a handful of years ago, when women that I had been walking alongside with couples that we had been doing small group with, mm. that you learn these deep, dark secrets that nobody ever tells that I'm just like, why do we feel the need to pretend like we're wrapped in this pretty bow and our families are perfect and our spouses are perfect and our lives are perfect. It bothered me. And so I just prayed and I talked to Asher and I was like, what do I do with this? Because I'm not okay with it. People need to women, especially I feel like 
you know, especially in my role as somebody who's married to someone who has struggled with porn and sex addiction is you don't want to ever throw your husband under the bus. Sometimes, sometimes you might want to. <laughs> <laughs> but relapse. as a whole, you're going. Yeah. <laughs> There's the best. We're just going to throw you under it. Um, <laughs> But I mean, like, let's be honest, if we're committed to the marriage and we're, we're committed to trying to find healing together, you don't, you're not trying to paint your husband in a bad Mm. light. You don't want people to think that he's a pervert. You don't want people to think that he's broken or that whatever, that you're, everything is unraveling at the seams, even though it might be, you don't want people to know that. And you don't want people to think poorly of who you would be talking about. So we keep it, we keep it here. And I found that with any story, even if it's not addiction, you know, somebody lost a child, somebody lost, like every people just keep their stories here in fear of what others might say, or if they speak it out, it makes it real. Or there's, there's a plethora of reasons why people don't share their stories. But what I was learning is that it is so incredibly important. It's God's work to do it. Jesus spoke in stories um, and he came to redeem and he can redeem anything. And so um, yeah, Stories Unveiled just started with um, me being on staff, me talking to him and just saying, how would you feel about this? Um, starting with women, we'd love to get into a men's, a men's conference right now. Uh, women is all that, that we're doing at the moment. But um, started with, uh, in 2018, first women's conference had 200 women. And um, there was five women that shared their stories. And we had one woman teach. She came from another state and friend of a friend and she came and taught and we had live worship and it was just so simple. And that was the model that we, that I wanted was simple. I just wanted real women on the stage sharing their stories in all different realms. It's not all about sex addiction. It's so, so insecurity, loss, forgiveness, healing. I mean, absolutely anything. It's any story and um, just real women sharing their stories and it's not an impromptu open mic. They're all chosen beforehand and all of that, but um, there's so many stories and it's your story and it's my story. And anybody that listens can place themselves in it because it's real. They're not paid. They're not, um, you know, it's not fabricated. It's, it's all just very real. And um, we always do have teaching because I feel like that's really important to bring it back to why God says this is important for us to share our stories and the redemption piece. And there's always an opportunity for those that don't know the Lord to give their lives to the, to the Lord. Um, and we've done this every year and year one. Um, I didn't know that we would do it again. I just, I just out of obedience was like, okay. And I asked five of my closest friends, Hey, I know your story. Would you want to share it? <laughs> and they did. And um, year two, God said, do it again. So we did, wow. and we we packed a um, a uh, what's it called? Auditorium? No, oh. a, a uh, theater. Oh, oh my gosh, the sim- ballroom. We packed oh. a ballroom at Boise State University. Wow! And um, we sold out, and every year God's just kept saying, "Do it again," and so we made a thing of it. And so yeah, every year we hold a conference. Um, like I said, so far just for women, but we would love to try and figure out how to make a, a, a male, um, event, you know, stories unveiled, whether it was under the branch of something else being called something else, but it's an opportunity for, um, women to 
get real, share their stories of hope and freedom, really, at the end of the day. I mean, whether there's healing or forgiveness or whatever, really, at the end of every single story that is shared, there's always hope and there's always freedom at the end of every story. Mm-hmm. There's always teaching. And um, this year, we're, we're doing it again in Boise. And so we're super excited. And we have some amazing stories and incredible speakers, because I just feel so strongly that stories matter. And they change lives and they bring freedom. The minute you, the minute you shine a light on the sin or the hurt or the pain or whatever it is, the minute you shine the light on it, um, it doesn't have power anymore. And the more we talk about it, the more we can process it and the more Mm. we can give it to God and he can do anything with our stories. So good. Um, are there tickets still open for this year's conference? There are. Yeah. Um, How do they get them? When are the dates? I'm going. I already have one, but for (laughs) listeners. You do already have a ticket. Yay. (laughs) So excited. So yeah. Um, The event is September 18th. Um, It's a Saturday. Doors open at um, 9 a.m. Conference starts at 10, but you will want to get there early because we have some incredible vendors. Um, And uh, tickets are on sale at storiesunveiledconference.com. A mouthful, but stories <laughs> unveiled conference. It'll be in the show notes as well. So yeah. awesome. Um, yeah, tickets are still on sale. We have a couple different kinds of tickets. We do have a VIP ticket, which includes lunch and a really special gift from a sponsored partner that we have that is a local business here who also has an incredible story. Um, there is a general admission ticket um, that does not include lunch, and then there's a virtual ticket for anybody that either can't or doesn't want to personally join us. Um, we, when we had to go virtual last year because of COVID, we did a virtual event. We realized that it was so invaluable to have that virtual aspect. We had never done it before, even though we very much miss being in person. And what we do is, is it's so powerful to be there in real time. Um, man, we were in way more states and two countries going virtual. And so we realized it was actually really important to have that virtual aspect. So, so cool. there's a virtual ticket as well. If you just want to be able to log in on the day of and watch it that way too. That's so. Awesome. so cool. Well, Asher and Ashley, thank you so much mm-hmm. for being on the podcast. Thanks for carving out time, you guys. And really thank you for being a couple that has become restored to more that is inspiring other people to come and share the things that, that that shame is maybe not letting them share and the things that they think, man, am I ever going to be okay if I share this? I just feel like you guys are an example and you're an inspiration to so many others. And we just want to thank you for, for all that you've done. And really, of course, thank Jesus for what he's done in your relationship. I know you guys give him all the glory and it is really cool to see his work in you and through you big time. Definitely. Well, thank you for having us on and allowing us to, to share our story to your listeners as well. I'm yours until the end of time. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, follow us on Instagram, and sign up for the upcoming course. You can also connect with us on the Ask Us Anything page at RestoredToMore.com. Also, quick note, all the work at Restored to More Inc., including this podcast, is made possible by our donors and financial partners. We wouldn't be here without those who have generously given to the cause of restoration. If you ever feel led to give, you can do so on the donate page on our website, 